All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Carter Thompson, your host, as always. Thanks for tuning in. Got a great episode ahead. I'm very excited. I mean, the NBA play-in tournament and the playoffs beginning this weekend. NBA playoff tournament, NBA play-in tournament, excuse me, already underway. We have the Brooklyn Nets and the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've won their playoff games, their play-in games, and are the seventh seed in their conferences, Eastern and Western Conference. We've got tonight the Cleveland Cavaliers, Atlanta Hawks, and the Los Angeles Clippers versus the New Orleans Pelicans. They're squaring off tonight for their respective eight seeds in their conferences. So the NBA playoffs are fully underway. Excited about the NBA playoffs. Always love watching. They, they've got a long regular season, too, with, with 82 games, and, and not a lot of those matter to us except for some of the big matchups that we like to watch. So NBA playoffs underway. We'll get to our AFC West, NFC West team needs in this episode as well. Remember, we're trying to get through all those teams, and then next week we'll finish out the other conferences, the other divisions that we have, which will be AFC and NFC South, and then AFC and NFC East. We'll be able to do those next week. And then the following week is NFL Draft Week. And before we get to the draft on Thursday night, we will have my annual now NFL Mock Draft episode where I'll just do my first round on what I think teams will, should, and possibly could do with their first round pick. So that's kind of the layout of where I expect my next couple of episodes to go for this podcast. But today, like I said, we're going to start with the NBA play-in tournament and the playoffs beginning today. Or I'd be not beginning today. The eight seed will be decided today. The rest of the playoffs and seedings have already been decided. You already know the matchups for tonight. Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Atlanta Hawks. Winner gets to take on the Miami Heat, who are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Then you got the Los Angeles Clippers and the New Orleans Pelicans. Winner of that game gets to take on the Phoenix Suns, the number one seed in the Western Conference playoffs. The other matchups, we got the Boston Celtics versus the Brooklyn Nets. That's going to be a great first-round matchup. That's the two and the seven seed. We got the Milwaukee Bucks, defending NBA champions, taking on the Chicago Bulls, the three and the six seed. And then you got the number four seed, Philadelphia 76ers, taking on the five seed, Toronto Raptors. That wraps up the Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference, then you got the one seed, Phoenix Suns. They take on, like I said, winner of the Clippers Pelicans game. Then you got the two seed, Memphis Grizzlies versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's going to be a dogfight of a series. That's just going to be a lot of chirping, a lot of shoving, I think. This is going to be a very physical matchup between those two teams. You got the three seed, Golden State Warriors versus the Denver Nuggets in the six seed. And then you got the four seed, Dallas Mavericks versus the five seed, Utah Jazz. I'll tell you my favorite matchups just from this first round. I'm excited to see the Celtics versus the Nets. I think everybody's excited to see that first round matchup. You're not sure whether the Nets are the underdog or whether they should be favored in this series, and that's kind of the intrigue of this one. I mean, I don't know if there's a hotter team in basketball other than the Boston Celtics right now also. Maybe the Phoenix Suns. They've just been incredibly hot all season. But Boston Celtics, if you remember, maybe it was last episode, maybe two episodes ago, how they went from 11 games under, maybe 10 and a half games under 500 to now the second seed in the Eastern Conference, or they were the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference, now the number two seed in where they are right now. I mean, Jason Tatum, he's going to get top five MVP votes this year with the way he has turned around the Boston Celtics. 
Jalen Brown is a solidified, very good number two option for this team. They've got defensive pieces in Marcus Smart. They've got veteran pieces in Al Horford on this team as well. Hopefully they can get their center, Robert Williams, one of the key. He was probably in the top five for defensive player of the year. Hopefully they can get him back for this series as well. This, I think, is going to go seven games. Going to be a very exciting first-round matchup to watch. Other ones, like I said, Grizzlies and Timberwolves. Very, very, very physical game. Very physical series this is going to be. Hopefully John Morant is ready to go for all of them, even if he's not. We've seen the Memphis Grizzlies. I think John Morant, their best player, without him, the Memphis Grizzlies this year were like 22-3, and three, maybe 21-2 and two or something like that. They only they lost less than five games without their all-star superstar in John Morant, and they were still winning at an incredible clip. Got the two-seed in the Western Conference. They're going to take on the Timberwolves, who if you watched their play-in game, you know how much this means to them to be in the playoffs. I mean, I don't care how much they celebrated. that. That's, that's big for the state of Minnesota to get the Timberwolves back into the playoffs, and you could see how much it meant to these players to get back into the playoffs as well. So that's going to be a really fun series. The 76ers versus the Raptors. This is just going to be an interesting one. I mean, first and foremost, when the Philadelphia 76ers travel to Toronto up in Canada, they're going to have some personnel issues. I believe it's Matisse Thybul, their starting small forward, one of the best defenders in the NBA. He is unvaccinated, and he will not be able to travel to Toronto because of their restrictions that they have um, in coming into their country. So, I mean, that's that's just a huge piece to their team that's going to be missing for at least two of the first round games possibly more thankfully the 76ers have home court advantage so if they split all the home games he'll be able to play for the home games but that's going to be one of their issues first and foremost is some of their personnel aren't going to be able to travel to Toronto for those road games but then also this is James Harden and Joel Embiid they have had the expectation now I mean, there was expectation last year on the 76ers to at least make the Eastern Conference Finals. And the way that they went out against the Hawks was extremely disappointing. We saw what that led to with Ben Simmons now in Brooklyn. So now there's even more pressure on the Philadelphia 76ers to get maybe even further than the Eastern Conference Finals because you have James Harden and Joel Embiid, maybe a more impactful dynamic duo of these two. I mean, is Harden... I mean, what kind of pressure does that put on Harden? Is he going to be able to step up and answer the call for that? So that's going to be an interesting one. And then lastly for me, another exciting one is Warriors versus Nuggets. Jokic with possible reinforcements maybe on the way in terms of Jamal Murray, um, Porter Jr., Michael Porter Jr. Could, he, could those guys be ready by the time mm-hmm. maybe for some of these games? Steph Curry, will he be healthy for this series? I mean, that's one of the injuries to keep an eye on here. He's had a foot injury for about the last month. He told Draymond Green on Draymond Green's podcast for the Volume Sports Network um, that he looks like he'll be ready to go for game one. So that'll, that'll, that's good for the Warriors. They're going to need their best player in Steph Curry on the floor for this first-round matchup with Nikola Jokic, possible MVP this year. It should be a fun one to watch between the three and the six seed right there. Other big injuries to keep an eye on, Luka Doncic. He had a calf strain. He got injured in the last game of the season. There's really been no further information since then. And their first game is this Saturday in about, what is today? Today's Thursday the 14th. So they come. their first game is in two days on Saturday the 16th. It's already been announced that he's likely going to be missing game one. 
they're facing the Utah Jazz. I don't know if the Mavericks are able to win that series without Luka Doncic. Healthy for at least six. If this goes seven games, I think they need him for at least six of the games. They can lose two without him, and then they can probably lose one with him, and then they'll win four with him in in the lineup. So I think if he misses more than two games, the Utah Jazz might come out of this series. But I like the Mavericks' chances. Obviously, we'd have to see Luka, too, when he comes back from the injury if he's able to go. Hopefully, he's able to go. He's so much fun to watch in the playoffs. He averages nearly... I mean, he's only played the Los Angeles Clippers in his two playoff appearances. But when he plays them, and he's playing against two of the best defenders in the NBA, one of the best defenders maybe of all time in Kawhi Leonard, and then Paul George, he's still able to average 40 points a game. So hopefully Luka Doncic can come back and be healthy and maybe get out of the first round of the playoffs for the first time in his career. One other big injury name to keep an eye on, Ben Simmons. Hasn't played all season He's had that back injury and, of course, just didn't want to play for Philadelphia. He's been ramping up. He may be returning for the first round against the Celtics. It was just announced today that he's looking to come back for games in between maybe games four through six. So game four would be the earliest hopefully he can come back, and maybe game six is the latest that they're hoping he can return if it gets to a game six. Brooklyn's got to get there against the Boston Celtics before we talk about anything like that. So... We'll see if Ben Simmons in that James Harden trade can get back to the playoffs. And, I mean, he would be a huge boost. We're not sure. You can't just throw Ben Simmons into the lineup and immediately think, oh, he's that first-team all-defender that he was with Philadelphia. He hasn't played in a whole year. He's not going to be the same guy as soon as he gets on the floor. But I think it would definitely help with the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> he's not. We're not, not sure what you would expect from the offensive side from Ben Simmons after a year layoff and then just throw him back into a playoff series. But on the defensive side, at least, would be a pretty big upgrade for the Brooklyn Nets. My early pick right now, this is just an early pick. I'm not picking an NBA champion, but my early thinking on who I think will be in the conference finals for both Eastern and Western Conference, I think it'll be the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers, a three and the four seed. I think... Miami Heat will move past whoever the Cavs and Hawks winner is. And then I think the Boston Celtics will also defeat the Brooklyn Nets. I think it's going to go one, two, three, four seeds in the Eastern Conference. They're all going to get past the first round. And then I think it's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks beating the Boston Celtics in the second round and the 76ers beating the Miami Heat in the second round. So I think we're going to get a Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia 76ers. Eastern Conference Finals. That's my prediction for the East. In the West, I think it's going to be the one-seed Phoenix Suns and the three-seed Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. I see the Suns cruising past the Clippers or Pelicans, either one there. I think the the Memphis Grizzlies, Minnesota Timberwolves, This is a these are two very young teams. So this is a great opportunity for one of these young squads to get to the second round. I think it's going to be I, might, I think it might be the Minnesota Timberwolves, to be honest, with, with some of this star power that they have in Anthony Edwards. They've got Carl Anthony Towns. they got D'Angelo Russell on this team as well. This is, this is some very young firepower that I think will be able to go toe-to-toe with the Memphis Grizzlies. I see the seventh seed upsetting them there. Then you got Golden State over the Denver Nuggets. Then you got the Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz. I think the Jazz, if Luka Doncic is not 100% healthy, will pull out that first-round upset as well. 
And then you got the Suns over the Jazz and the Warriors over the Timberwolves in the second round. And that leads to a Western Conference Finals of the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. That's all I'm going to give you now. We'll get to an NBA champion later on when we talk about the NBA playoffs and how they've been going so far. But that's how I see it shaken up. I'm very excited for these NBA playoffs, especially like some of these matchups that I mentioned. Celtics, Nets, but also this Grizzlies-Minnesota Timberwolves one is going to be a lot of fun. Two very young squads. One's going to get that opportunity to move on past the first round, getting into that second round of the NBA playoffs. All right, let's move on now to the NFL team needs that we've been doing for the past couple episodes. We're going to have to do two at a time now if we're going to make it in time for the NFL draft. So today, mentioned this last week, we're going to do two of the possibly best divisions in football, AFC and NFC West. I mean, the AFC West might be the best division in all of football after all of these offseason moves that we've seen so far. And we still got one of the top two or three divisions in the NFL with the reigning champs, the Los Angeles Rams in that NFC West division, Arizona Cardinals. You got the San Francisco 49ers who just went to the NFC Championship game as well. I mean, Russell Wilson going from the NFC West to the AFC West. Tyreek Hill is gone. Devontae Adams comes in to the AFC West. I mean, there's a lot going on. We'll start on the NFC side, though, in the NFC West, and we'll start with the defending champs, Los Angeles Rams. So some of the team needs that I see that they have, offensive line, corner, and an edge rusher. Here's some of the big losses that they've had. This offseason, they lost Von Miller. He goes to the Buffalo Bills on a big six-year deal. OBJ, they're not going to re-sign, it doesn't look like. Robert Woods traded to the Titans. Andrew Whitworth, their left tackle, he retires. Darius Williams, a cornerback, I believe he signs with the Jacksonville Jaguars, starting corner. They do, though, get in addition to their team, Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner, two big additions. Their draft capital, they have eight picks in this draft. No first-rounder, no second-rounder. Their first pick is 104 overall. So, I mean, their game plan, this is pretty simple for the defending champs. Just run it back. I mean, just restock a couple of positions, that offensive line, to protect Matthew Stafford. It looks like they have their left tackle in place in Joe Noteboom, but they might need a couple of pieces along that offensive front to help make up for the losses of Whitworth still, with Noteboom being that kind of versatile offensive lineman that they have. They're going to stick him at left tackle, it looks like now. Now you're going to need more depth along the offensive line. Also, on the defensive side, they lost, like I said, a number, a starter in Von Miller and a starter at corner in Darius Williams. That's something that you're going to have to address on the opposite side of Jalen Ramsey. We're not sure if he necessarily follows the number one receiver every game. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. You're going to need another corner to complement him on the other side as well. I mean, the Rams are all in until Matthew Stafford retires, even maybe after Matthew Stafford retires. So they're just leveraging their future as long as they can. They can continue to add veterans across the board. Why not? Why wouldn't they? I mean, just keep adding void years as long as they want. I mean, it's pretty simple for the Los Angeles Rams. Is they're, they're all in at this point. Just run it back with your core guys. Aaron Donald looks like he's back in. Matthew Stafford's there. Cooper Cup. You got Jalen Ramsey. Now that you add in Bobby Wagner, they got superstars all over this team. Just run it back. Hopefully everybody stays healthy for their team. Move on to the other NFC team that was in the NFC Championship game, the San Francisco 49ers. They got a couple of holes on a team that for a team that was in the NFC Championship game a year ago. So some of the team needs that I see here, interior offensive linemen, they need a cornerback as well, and then the defensive line as well and the run-stuffing 
department, some of their big losses. They lost Lakeland Tomlinson, their starting offensive guard, Arden Key, a defensive end. They lost their starting running back in Raheem Mostert as well as he goes to the Miami Dolphins. They were able to take Charvarius Ward from the Kansas City Chiefs, also signed wide receiver punt returner Ray Ray McLeod to their team. They have nine picks in this draft, no first-rounder due to the Trey Lance trade. Their first pick is at 61st overall in the second round. The number one thing, of course, for them that they have to figure out, who's starting, what's going on with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G is still on the team. He did have shoulder surgery that's supposed to keep him out and out of throwing up until training camp. Are they going to be able to trade him before the draft? Are they going to trade him after the draft? Are they not going to trade him at all? That's something that they have to figure out. But then they've got some holes to plug on this defense. Defensive line, like I said, has some issues. They lost guys like Arden Key. They also, D. Ford is not the same pass rusher that he was two years ago. I mean, this team is the same team that was not the same team excuse me is not the same team that was in the nfc championship game for the second time in three years some of these guys are getting a little bit older they're still going to be a run focused offense i mean they also have a problem with debo samuel who appears to be one who wants to get paid and why shouldn't he after seeing all these wide receiver deals this offseason i mean he's been doing the cryptic social media thing and, and you thought it was just the packers last year now it's everybody from kyler murray to De- debo samuel now making sure they get paid. So, But like I said, they have some needs to address if they want to get back to being a contender in the NFC with the Los Angeles Rams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, possibly the Green Bay Packers as well for years to come with with Aaron Rodgers still there. So plug up a couple of those holes on the defensive line and then also need some secondary help as well after we saw what happened to them in the NFC Championship game. All right, moving on to the Arizona Cardinals then. Some of their big losses, they lost Chandler Jones in that deal he signs with the Las Vegas Raiders. Christian Kirk signs a massive, massive deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. A.J. Green is a free agent. Chase Edmonds signs elsewhere. Jordan Hicks, the linebacker, he signs with the Minnesota Vikings. They do pick up Jeff Gladney, a corner from the Minnesota Vikings, and Will Hernandez, an offensive guard. He comes over from the New York Giants. They still need another cornerback. They need a new edge rusher with Chandler Jones. God, probably going to need another weapon at wide receiver for Kyler Murray to throw to, and then probably another running back as well. They did re-sign James Conner to a big three-year deal, but they're a two kind of they're kind of a running back by committee team with James Conner taking in a lot of the close near the goal. I mean, he had a huge season with what was it, 15 touchdowns this year. He can also catch the ball out of the backfield, but a lot of these teams these days are going with the two running back approach. They might need another running back as well. They have eight picks in the draft this year. They have their own first, their own second, their own third. They pick 23rd overall. First thing they got to do is make sure Kyler Murray is engaged and ready to go. I just said this about Debo Samuel deleting all of his 49er stuff. Kyler Murray did that earlier this offseason. I believe has recently put it back on his social media, all all the Cardinal stuff that he had on there. Make sure he's engaged and ready to go with Cliff Kingsbury. Then turn your attention to the defense is what the Cardinals have to do. Like I said, they got to fill that huge hole that Chandler Jones, I mean, he's a double-digit sack guy every year. That is a huge hole that he's leaving behind. Then they got to get a top-tier corner on the outside to cover a lot of these guys in this division, the Cooper Cup, the Debo Samuel, the DK Metcalf, the Tyler Lockett. They need someone on the outside to cover these big-time wide receivers in this division. They don't have that guy on this team right now. 
I mean, and then another weapon for, for Kyler Murray wouldn't be out of the question, too, with, like I said, Christian Kirk and A.J. Green moving on. Going to need someone on the other side of DeAndre Hopkins to take some of the attention away from him on this offense. I mean, they do have Zach Ertz now at the tight end spot for the whole year, not just at the trade deadline when they picked him up this past season, but still, DeAndre Hopkins is going to need some help. You don't want it to turn into a, a Houston Texans situation where it's just DeAndre Hopkins and nobody else to throw to on the team. So that's some things that the Cardinals have to look forward to before the season starts, I believe. And then we get to the last team here in the NFC West, the Seattle Seahawks. This one, it's pretty simple for the Seahawks. I think they are they just have to decide if they're going to go into a full rebuild mode. They need a quarterback. They need an offensive lineman, a couple offensive linemen. They need a new corner, and they need an edge rusher, a number one edge rusher. I mean, obviously they lost Russell Wilson in the trade to Denver, Bobby Wagner. They released, and he signs with the Los Angeles Rams, Gerald Everett. He goes to the Los Angeles Chargers, Dwayne Brown. Their longtime left tackle is 36 or 37, and they haven't brought him back. They're not sure if they're going to do that. They did, of course, get back Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris in that trade for Russell Wilson. They have eight picks in this draft. They have the Broncos' first rounder, and they have two second rounders. They have that ninth overall pick. Like I said, the number one thing for them, they have to decide if they're going into full rebuild mode, which if they are, which I think they should, trade DK Metcalf, and or trade Tyler Lockett. I mean, Drew Locke is not going to be your QB of the future, so decide if you're going to quote-unquote tank this season with him at the quarterback and grab someone next year, or if you like one of these quarterbacks this year, if you're going to take them at the nine, at the ninth overall pick. But they are in the position to grab the best player available with all of their picks. I mean, they have needs at all the premium positions in – the NFL at, at for that an NFL team needs. I mean, a quarterback. You need a quarterback. You need a left tackle to protect that quarterback. You need a corner, and you need a defense. You need an edge rusher to get after the quarterback. They need guys at all of these spots. I think while 2023 has the better quarterback prospects, you're not guaranteed one of those, but the Seahawks, I think, could be bad enough where they have two first-rounders next year, the one that they got from the Broncos, and they'll have their own first-rounder. They'll also have two second-rounders next year. They'll have the ammo to move up and get a quarterback if they're not in position, same as kind of like the Detroit Lions, as I said. They'll have two first-rounders next year, the one from the Los Angeles Rams for the Matthew Stafford trade. They'll also have two second-rounders next year as well. So Seahawks, I mean, I don't think you're, you're going to go for it with, with Drew Locke. You can quote-unquote tank this year. Still, obviously, you're going to try to win, but might not win many games. If you trade DK Metcalf, you can maybe get another first rounder just to improve this team. I'm of the I'm of the mindset that you improve the team, then you get the quarterback when, or you obviously get the quarterback when the quarterback's there. But when the quarterback is not available, your franchise quarterback, whether through the draft or you can't trade for one, if there's not a franchise quarterback available, you build the rest of your team until that franchise quarterback is ready. And that's what I think the Seahawks should do in this case. Get the offensive lineman at pick nine, whether it's Charles Cross, maybe Evan Neal falls down there. Those are two of the better pass-blocking offensive linemen. Maybe grab an edge rusher if one there. Kavion Thibodeau might fall there. Jermaine Johnson is a very highly likely possibility to be there at number nine. Or you can grab a number one shutdown corner, whether it's Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. It could be Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU. We saw him at his pro day 
finally perform. He ran under a 4-4. He looks fast, and he looks ready to be a number one shutdown corner. All of these options, if you love, you have to love Malik Willis, or you have to love Kenny Pickett, or you have to love Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral. If you love one of those guys, then you can take him at nine and then figure out the rest of your roster from there once you think if he's your franchise quarterback. But otherwise, I say they have to build out the rest of this roster. And it could start by trading away DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett to build up more draft equity. They only have eight picks. They don't even have their own first rounder this year. All right. Moving on then to the AFC West. Like I said, possibly the best division in football. I think the three best divisions in football, it goes AFC West, AFC North, and then NFC West. Those are probably the best divisions in football, in my opinion. We'll start with the defending AFC West champion, Kansas City Chiefs, in the AFC Championship game a year ago. They've got some big losses, obviously. The notable one in Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthew. They also lost Charvarius Ward. Melvin Ingram, a pass rusher they picked up middle of the season last year. They do bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Justin Reed, the safety from Houston. They also bring in Ronald Jones alongside Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to be the running back tandem there. They have a ton of draft capital. They have 12 picks tied for the most in the NFL this draft cycle. They have two firsts. They have two seconds. They own the 29th and 30th overall picks. So they have a lot of ammo to fill some of these holes that they have on this team. And in my opinion, it's it's edge rusher, wide receiver, cornerback. They need some depth at cornerback, which wouldn't be a surprise for me to see them take in the first round. I mean, you got to match up with guys in this division. You've got Devontae Adams now in this division, Keenan Allen in this division, Jerry Judy in this division. You got still Hunter Renfro. You got Mike Williams. And then you've got guys like Jamar Chase in this conference as well that you have to watch out for. So a cornerback is definitely a big need for the Kansas City Chiefs. They could also use someone to get after these insanely talented quarterbacks in this division, in this conference. They're going to need another pass rusher. Frank Clark and and Chris Jones are going to need another guy to help them get after the quarterback, especially with Melvin Ingram not re-signed with the team right now. So they're going to need to get after the quarterback, and they're going to need a guy on the back end to defend against the quarterback throwing. Also, they got to decide what they're doing with their wide receiver room. Are they kind of going to go with spreading the ball around at wide receiver, kind of going to committee approach with Travis Kelsey leading in a huge way at the tight end position. Do they? I still think they need to add to that wide receiver room. It's Juju Smith. You got Mecole Hardman and Marquez Valdez Scantling. So you got two insanely fast guys. You got a possession receiver in Juju. I don't know if they need a big guy to make the jump balls. I don't know what they're looking for at that wide receiver position, but I think they need to add one more to that. So like I said, a couple of holes on this team that was just in the AFC Championship a year ago, but that can easily be addressed with the load of draft capital that they have. I mean, 12 picks, most in the draft cycle, tied for most in the draft cycle this year. They have a lot that they can work with in terms of bringing in and filling the needs on this team. And then, of course, you have Patrick Mahomes, which helps fill a lot of those holes on this team as well. All right. Los Angeles Chargers, some of their big losses, Chris Harris Jr., starting corner, Jared Cook, the tight end, Linval Joseph, one of the defensive tackles, but they made some big additions this offseason to try and offset that. I mean, Khalil Mack they traded for. I believe they sent over a second rounder to the Bears to bring in Khalil Mack to pair with Joey Bosa. J.C. Jackson, a number one shutdown corner in this league. He comes over on a huge five-year deal. 
so he'll be able to shut down the outside there. Gerald Everett, a younger tight end. Sebastian Joseph Day coming over from the champion Los Angeles Rams, just <laughs> sliding on over from one side of L.A. to the other. He comes in to be one of those run-stuffing nose tackles, so they fill a couple of their needs. Here's where I still think they need some help. Offensive line, they need a bookend on the offensive line at the right tackle spot. I mean, they have Justin Herbert protected on the left side with Rashawn Slater for the next 10 years. Now you got to find someone on the right side that can protect him for 10 years. Brian Balaga is getting up there in age. Could probably improve a little bit over him and Brian Balaga. So, I mean, you'd have your right tackle, you'd have your left tackle, and you got your center and Corey Lindsley all set for Justin Herbert for years to come there. So offensive line, right tackle could be a spot. Defensive line could still add another run stuffer up the middle. And then tight end. Can you improve on, on Gerald Everett? I mean, otherwise, this is one of those loaded-looking rosters. I mean, they got Justin Herbert on a cheap contract. So, I mean, they need to win now with all these guys on this team. Like I said, the Cleo Mack, the J.C. Jackson, you paid Mike Williams. Keenan Allen might have to be a cap casualty soon when Herbert is going to get that $50 million-plus per year contract i mean it, it's easy right now with justin herbert on the cheap deal he's going into his third year he's still got two years on that cheap deal but they gotta they gotta win soon otherwise a lot of these guys are going to be cap casualties and we've seen what happens when teams i mean the the packers and the chiefs are two prime examples when you got to get rid of your best wide receiver because you got to pay the quarterback and you got to fill out the rest of this roster so i think once the offensive line is set this team looks ready to go with just a few depth spots to fill out the rest of this roster all right, Las Vegas Raiders then. Some of their big losses, Yannick Ngakwe, Casey Hayward, Zay Jones, the wide receiver, but they filled up some of these spots very nicely. I mean, Devontae Adams, best wide receiver in football. His old buddy, Derek Carr, getting a contract extension the other day as well. Those two are going to be paired up for a while. That's that's nice for Las Vegas going forward. Chandler Jones comes in. He's paired now with Max Crosby to give them a dynamic duo at the pass rushing spots. And then Rocky Asin comes in at cornerback in that trade with uh, Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, they have they have only five draft picks, second fewest in the NFL. They have no first. They have no second. Their first pick is 86th overall in the third round. But like I said, this is another good-looking roster in the AFC West, but, I mean, they just might need some depth and rotation starters to really complete this roster. Not a ton of not a ton to work with, though, to, to fill it out. I mean, a run stuffer up the middle in either the form of a linebacker or a defensive lineman. Linebacker could be a weak spot for, for this defense right now. Also reinforce that offensive line so that Derek Carr can get the ball to all these weapons he has at his disposal now. Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams. Still got Josh Jacobs coming out of the backfield as well with Kenyon Drake. Not much capital to work with, but luckily for them, on paper, of course, this is this is on paper. The roster and, and, and the depth chart looks good for the Las Vegas Raiders right now. They got new head coach, Josh McDaniels, new GM, Dave Ziegler, coming over from New England. This team looks ready. Now they just they gotta take that next step of advancing further than just making the playoffs. And then lastly, we got the Denver Broncos. I mean, we know about the big additions for this team, trading for Russell Wilson, also getting Randy Gregory in a deal when he flips from the Cowboys to the Broncos. They get DJ Jones, a big defensive tackle. Billy Turner, a really nice swing, right tackle, left tackle. He can play either of the tackle spots that you need him to. There's some losses on this team. Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, that's okay. You got Russell Wilson. Melvin Gordon, kind of their 1A, 1B running back with him and Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon's gone. 
Then they lost, for now, three starting secondary players in Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson, and Kyle Fuller. They have eight draft picks, no first-rounder. They get their first pick at 64th overall. So the number one thing that this team needs to do, they're in win-now mode, of course, with Russell Wilson at the helm. They need a lot of help in that secondary, losing three potential starters back there. I mean, they can still bring a few of these guys back, but if they don't, they need to find the replacements and depth with the firepower in this division. We've already talked about all the superstars at the wide receiver position in just the AFC West, and then you got to go back to all the other receivers in the AFC alone. I mean, the offense looks ready to roll with Wilson, maybe find a veteran tight end, but otherwise they're all set to go. Hopefully then for the Broncos, you're just hoping on the health of Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy, Bradley Chubb, Patrick Sertan, all the other stars on this team to stay healthy all season. But they just got to figure out that secondary, and then this team looks like they're ready to roll and compete for a premium playoff position and maybe even compete for a championship. So that's kind of my outlook on on the AFC and NFC West. These are going to be fun divisions to watch. AFC West, every matchup is going to be either on Monday Night Football, it's either going to be on Sunday Night Football, or it's going to be the primetime game on CBS or Fox. All AFC West matchups are going to be in one of those primetime spots. NFC West games as well. I mean, you'll see plenty of, of the Rams in primetime with their stadium as well. These This is going to be two really fun divisions. Not, I mean, there's still potential for these teams to get a lot better still, but they, they look pretty loaded on paper already going into this season. So it's going to be a lot of fun watching these teams play. But all right, what are we waiting for? I mean, we, we've got exactly 14 days until the draft in two weeks. What are we waiting for to happen between now and then? A couple things for me. Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, we're waiting on them to be traded. Could this be a week of the draft kind of trades, or are these night of the draft trades? We're in round one. Jimmy Jimmy G gets traded. A couple possibilities for, for Jimmy Garoppolo. Actually, I don't know where, where a lot of his openings are. I mean, he's going to be a starting quarterback. He's coming off of a shoulder injury. It doesn't look like Atlanta is a place. Could the Carolina Panthers be a possibility if they don't want to go with Sam Darnold and if they don't love one of these rookie quarterbacks? Carolina could be a spot maybe. I mean, Baker Mayfield, could he go to Seattle? And Pete Carroll, if he likes him there? I mean, there's not a lot of starting quarterback openings in this in this league, and it, it'll depend on, on what these teams want to do on draft night as well. Either way, it, it sounds like in what I've been hearing or what I've been reading as well, is that this is going to happen the week of the draft, is these guys might get traded. I mean, Baker Mayfield's been talking about how he felt disrespected in Cleveland. This has just got to end sooner rather than later before Baker Mayfield and before the Browns, before everybody keeps putting their foot in their mouth. We'll see when when some of these trades go down. I mean, Those are the two big ones that we're waiting for in the NFL still while we wait for the draft, which is two weeks away. Other news that we're waiting on big name free agents still yet to sign tyron matthew julio jones jarvis landry stefan gilmore obj jadavion clowning adamican sue these guys may not be signed until after the draft in my opinion where teams kind of like start to fill out the rest of their roster with veterans in spots of need these guys will probably be going to competing teams unless they can get big money from some of those teams that aren't competing and still have a lot of cap space Tyron Matthew is looking for the best deal in terms of money and competing for a championship. We've seen him. I think he's traveled to Baltimore. 
Schellerville to Philadelphia. I mean, he's probably met with the Rams. Every veteran probably has at this point as well. So, But a lot of these guys, I think, will get signed after the NFL draft, especially these wide receivers to fill out a lot of wide receiver rooms. We just saw the Green Bay Packers today sign Sammy Watkins to a very team-friendly one-year up to $4 million. So, I mean, if he can outperform that, that's great for the Green Bay Packers, starting to fill out their wide receiver room. We're also waiting on the rest of these big names to get signed as well. Draft is two weeks away, and next week, of course, we'll fill out the rest of our NFL team needs with the AFC, NFC South, and then the AFC, NFC East as well. All right, final thought then today on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Masters tournament is complete. Congratulations to Scotty Scheffler, world number one, winner of four of the last six tournaments and getting his first major championship, winning the Masters at 10 under this year. Also, congratulations, Roy McIlroy. I mean, an incredible 64, 8 under par on Sunday to try and make a comeback. He finishes second, excuse me. I think he was at, what, maybe 7 under for the tournament. So, I mean, a comfortable three-shot lead for Scotty Scheffler. Still, congratulations to him. But still the story lies with Tiger Woods, who didn't even finish in the top 45. Who cares? I mean, who cares where Tiger Woods finished? It was just exciting to watch him golf again. And especially, I mean, 500 days, a little over 500 days since an accident where it was possible his leg was going to need to be removed. And he makes the cut at the Masters, the biggest golf tournament there is. I mean, the physical strain that that takes, walking 18 holes, you've also got to practice all those holes. I mean, it's just amazing. Even though Tiger wasn't in contention on the last day, you still probably turned in to watch him. Think about that. You turned in to watch him on, on a day when you knew how many athletes or teams or whatever would you turn in to watch when you knew before the day even started that he's not going to win. Now, we after the he made the cut at one under or even par, we thought, yeah, there's still a chance for Tiger Woods. After the third day when he got up to around nine eight over par there was no chance that he was going to win you still probably turned in on sunday to watch tiger woods at the masters championship that's just incredible what he's a what he's able to do and the kind of pull that he has for the sport and the influence it's just amazing and so fun to watch tiger woods whether he's whether he's in contention or not right and who cares whether he was this year or not it was just great to see him back on the golf course when there was a chance that we thought, wow, is it going to be abruptly ended by that horrific car crash that he was in? Thankfully, it's not. We'll see if he, if we get to see him at more major championships this year, hopefully Masters tournaments to come. I mean, that's all we really care about is watching him try to get his sixth green jacket, and he's just chasing Jack Nicholas at 18 major championships as well. But great to see Tiger Woods competing and making the cut and competing to win at a major tournament once again. All right, then final, final thought then on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Clayton Kershaw pulled from a perfect game. If you missed this yesterday, this is up for debate on in terms of what people think was the right thing to do or what wasn't the right thing to do. So Clayton Kershaw, pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, in his first start this season, I think we're on we're on our second week of games now, his first start this season, he had a perfect game, which of course... No hits, no walks, no runs. I mean, if, if the defense has an error, that's, that's still, you're good for the perfect game. Either way, he had a perfect game going through seven innings. 
on only 80 pitches. Now, a starting pitcher usually gets to the upper 90s, sometimes in the hundreds, is usually the limit for a pitcher on a good or a normal pitching day. You want your pitcher to be able to get up to there. So he was on 80 pitches, seven innings of a perfect game. Not a no-hitter. A no-hitter means you still walk someone. Someone got on base. He had a perfect game going. He was pulled after seven innings, not given the chance to go for the 24th perfect game in MLB history. There's only been 24. There have been probably hundreds of no-hitters. In the history of baseball, there's only been 23 perfect games. Clayton Kershaw was on his way, knock on wood. Well, I mean, no need to knock on wood anymore. Looked like he was on his way to possibly getting the 24th perfect game in MLB history. Pulled after seven innings because it's his first start this season. He's had some elbow injuries, some arm injuries in the past. He's getting older, of course, as well. Clayton Kershaw agrees with his manager that he should have been pulled at that point. I don't know what you guys think. You guys can debate amongst yourselves, think it through. I don't know. I think they I think they should have left him in. For a perfect game, there's only been 24, 23, excuse me, in the history of the game. Clayton Kershaw doesn't have anything left to prove to us. We know he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I believe he's a three-time Cy Young Award winner. He's also now a World Series champion as well. But man, how great would that be for a pitcher of his caliber, his status, just to cement that and put the, and just add that to the resume. This resume is already huge for Clayton Kershaw. He doesn't need anything else added to it. But a perfect game, only 23 other times has that been done. So I don't know if it's necessarily 23 other pitchers, but he would be one of less than 25 pitchers in the history of MLB to have a perfect game. Man, that just seems tough to pull him from that. I personally think he should have been left in, but if he's okay with the decision, if he knew if he's okay with with Dave Roberts pulling him at that time, he had he's not like, yeah, I wish I would have been given the opportunity at least. Well, then I mean, you got to go with 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 what Kershaw thinks, the manager. I don't know if he asked him if he was ready to be pulled or what. I doubt it. But man, that just seems like something that you go for even at this stage in your career. I mean, you don't expect Clayton Kershaw to be in position to throw a perfect game these days anymore. I don't know. That seems like, to me, something that you go for. I mean, because the, the Dodgers are going to make the playoffs regardless. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a detriment if he throw. I mean, he can miss his next start. You can push his next start for Clayton Kershaw. The Dodgers are going to be fine. They're going to be in the playoffs. They have more money than like probably combined 15 teams that they're spending on this team that they're fielding right now. I think you can afford if Clayton Kershaw misses a week because he has a perfect game. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I think he should have stayed out there. He doesn't owe it to us. He doesn't owe it to anyone. He doesn't need to prove anything to anyone either. But a perfect game to be the 24th person to throw a perfect game in MLB history. That's something right there that I think uh, would have been fun to witness. All right. That's all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, like I said, we'll do AFC and NFC, which one should we do? Should we do South or East? I'll surprise you when we get to it next week. But we'll do that one early next week, and then we'll do the other one later next week. And then in two weeks from now, I believe it'll be Monday, the 25th of April, Make sure, or Tuesday, the 26th. Make sure you listen and tune in because that will be my NFL mock draft. And then we'll have a first-round recap of the draft on Friday, the 29th. The draft, April 28th, that's the first round 
of the NFL draft this year. So we'll get ready for that when it comes around. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe as always. You're listening to The Final Final.